The Final Chapter of the Medallion, Chapter 53 George stumbled, caught himself on a tall boulder and stared back at the ring of glowing rock. His face was tense and his breath came in erratic gasps. Is it much further? I haven't rested or eaten lately. Getting Jorid to step through the first circle of blue rock was tough, and each successive opening was getting even worse. Jorid's fears grew with each new cavern, but at least the man's medallion was allowing them passage through the labyrinth. They had already passed through the chamber with the still pool and the table-sized rock where Kate first took Sarek's glowing medallion. Corvin held up the light bulb. I'm not sure. I've not come back this way before. These caves are all new to me. The last time when we left through that crack in the shield at the Molokar settlement, it took a long while to get back to the surface. Corvin thought back to that trip. He and Kate had run out of water in that journey and almost died. He needed to make sure Jorid stayed healthy, as the man would be too heavy for Corvin to carry. Corvin felt under his tunic and brought out the drink Sari had sent with him. Try some of this. Jorid took the water skin and tested the fluid with his tongue. His eyebrows raised and he took a long drink. Where did you find this? Someone made it for me, for the journey. Jorid nodded and tipped the skin back, draining its contents and wringing every last drop from the skin. He handled the wrinkled skin back to Corvin. A distinctive flavor. A woman used to sell this drink at the market in Kadir before the Lumians failed. Corvin took it back and tucked it into his coat. George drinking all the juice was irritating enough, but the man's memory of the drink's creator might lead him to Sari and Molokar. Corvin walked on ahead. George trailed along behind him, then suddenly ran forward and fell in beside Corvin. We're being followed, George whispered. Corvin listened, but the only sound was George's heavy breathing. He held a light globe higher and glanced behind him. George touched his shoulder and leaned in close. It is one of the smaller creatures. I could hear its claws on the stones. Let's listen carefully in case more join it, and they are hungry. Corvin wanted to turn around, but kept walking. Could it be Tsarek? Maybe it was the presence of a watcher that was opening the labyrinth passages, and not George's medallion after all. Let's keep going, Corvin raised his voice. Hi-ho, silver away. What did you say? George peered at him in the light from the globe. Ah, it's something we say at my home when we want to hurry along, Corvin said. Jord grunted and gestured for Corvin to take the lead. I could move faster if you walked just ahead with the light. Corvin nodded. He didn't like being ahead of the man in the dark, but now Sarek, if he was falling, would understand that Corvin knew he was there. The glimmer of the next blue ring appeared just ahead, and as the stone opened, Corvin was overjoyed to see the reflection of a flowing pool on the far side of a small cavern. He stepped through and Jord was right behind him. They were finally back in the castle rock in his own backyard. Jord pushed past him to the pool and fell to his knees, drinking deeply. Corvin glanced back through the blue opening, but Sarek did not appear. He looked up to where the first entry to the castle rock should be, but that passage was dark. If the presence of Sarek was opening the passage doors, the lizard would have to join them in this room for the final door to open. Jord finished drinking and found a boulder facing away from the blue ring to lean up against. I need to rest here for a while. I can't go any farther. Will you wake me when you are ready to go on? Yes, Corvin said, and walked over to the cavern wall and sat down a ways from Jord. He would let the man fall asleep and then go to his house. By the time Jord woke up, he should be back with a scepter, and Jord would be rested enough for the trip back to the core. 
The blue ring on the opposite wall slowly closed and faded to darkness. You should let your light rest. George's muffled voice came from where the man had slumped down against the smooth floor near the pool. They only last so long, and then we'll be in darkness. Not a good idea if that creature is tracking us. Corvin set the light globe by Jord, and the pinpoints of light sank to the bottom and began to fade. I would also like to have my medallion back. I can't take the chance that you will open the door while I sleep and leave me here to die. Corvin wanted to protest, but what would be the point? Jord felt alone and vulnerable. Corvin knew all too well that feeling that everyone was out to take advantage of you. He dropped the medallion back into Jord's outstretched hand, and the man looped it around his neck, turned away from Corvin, and huddled up on the rocky floor. Corvin listened intently to the sounds around him. If Sarek was with him in the cavern, he wasn't moving. The only sound was the steady rhythm of Jord's breathing. The man had already fallen asleep. Blue light ebbed from around the corner off to Corvin's right, and he crept away from Jord. The final door was open. Sarek must be waiting for him. The blue ring was fully open, but the lizard was nowhere to be seen. Corvin stepped over the threshold of the final opening. He was back home, and his next steps were clear. Find the scepter, return with Jord to the core. But Corvin's feet refused to move. The thought of meeting his mother just beyond the cellar door froze him in his tracks. If he asked his mother to give him the scepter to save his father and Kate, his mother would want to go back with him. How could he possibly argue with her, not only because she was his mother, but because she was from the royal family of the Corps? The blue hole closed off beside him and Corvin caught sight of his reflection in the glossy rock. Putting a hand on either side of the smooth glass, he stared into its depths. The face looking back at him resembled his father a lot more than the young boy who used to pretend he was a superhero on the castle rocks above. Back then he had imagined how exciting it would be to save the world. But things were completely different now that the fate of an entire civilization was upon his shoulders. He had changed. He was no longer the scrawny little kid from the small town in the middle of nowhere. His parents didn't even belong to the surface world, and neither did he. He drew in a deep breath and slowly exhaled. As he turned toward his home, the stone room shook around him as if a giant were ripping the castle rock out of the earth by its very roots.